You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with Alex Bryant, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. It is 6.36 in the morning. We have a very cold start to the morning as well. Four degrees below zero in Springfield with a wind chill of minus 19. Uh, we do... That is as cold as it gets, my friend. My brother, that's as cold as it gets. And uh, but the thing is, we're going to have some sunshine today, believe it or not. Don't let it fool you, though. Don't walk outside and say, "Ah, the sunshine! It's going to be beautiful out here." We're looking at a high of only about fifteen degrees today. Some of those wind chill readings as low as minus eighteen. We have a wind chill advisory that's in effect until noon today. Now tonight, uh, clear will drop down to five degrees. Those wind chill readings again below zero of minus eight. Tomorrow, though, we actually get out of the deep freeze. We get above freezing for the first time in about five days. Sunny tomorrow with a high of 38 degrees. And then by uh, Wednesday night, we'll drop down to 22, not nearly as cold as these sub-zero temperatures. And then partly sunny on Thursday, another warm day, high of 38. And then by Friday, yep, sunny, cold, blustery, a high of 17 Weekends look in uh, a gradual warming trend. Uh, Saturday, sunny and 23. Sunday, partly sunny and 32 degrees. And then as we go into early next week, mostly cloudy, a chance of showers. And it's almost going to feel like summer as we hit near 40 degrees on Monday. (laughs) Like summer? I don't think so. 40 is still cold. (laughs) No, it's not going to feel like summer. But, hey, everything's relative, right? When you're talking about these kind of temperatures and 40 degrees, I'll take the 40 degree any day. That is true. So that is true. So, hey, thanks for that weather report. Um, you did a good job over there, Don. You're the man of many. Th- we're having technical difficulties yes. over here. We, we weren't able to get Tom on this morning. Hopefully, Tom would be proud of my forecast. You can just call me Acudon. Acudon, Acudon, ladies so, and gentlemen. So yeah. So hey, hey, um, Acudon. What do you know about the FAA and um, them trying to get um diversity as their big issue right now so i have not heard this is the thing and i mean you know i'm not one that says we shouldn't talk about diversity or race or the differences you know i mean we do i mean people we we you know i I know sometimes we get tired of talking about stuff and and i think the majority culture do that why don't we just stop talking about it well when you're in the majority it's easy to do that but i'll just say this people want to know the history, people want to know where they come from. You look at all the genealogies and all the, you know, the, the, um, the DNA testing thing. That's become like a billion dollar industry, like a $20 billion a year industry. Why? And it's mainly because white people, you guys want to know where your ancestry comes from. I mean, that's, that's the reality of it. People want to kind of know, well, where'd I come from? Where, who, who are my people? So I get it. I get why we have to talk about stuff. I, uh, diversity. I get why we talk about race and, you know, why, you know, there as a black person at some point in time in your life, for me, it happened early, you know, teen years, 13, 14, when you become aware of your blackness. I can remember being in like sixth, seventh grade, looking around and going, how come everybody's hair is different than mine? And then you start to have your awakening of like, you know, wait, what, you know, like, you know, skin color, whatever. You start to notice these things. So then what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with that awareness? That's the real question. I believe if we're teaching kids the right message, it's to say, yes, we are different. Let's celebrate our differences. Let's, let's put it in perspective. Race describes me. It doesn't define me. I'm defined as being a father, a husband, a Christian, 
a minister who happens to be big, bald, beautiful, beautiful. and black. You know what I'm saying? So those that's the difference there. So when you look at something like the FAA, when I see this story, they're pushing diversity um, in, in their hiring of people with severe intellectual and psychiatric disabilities. That scares me because I don't want them hiring people with intellectual and psychiatric disabilities to work on airplanes, to work on, you know, um, people that are being, that are flying in the air. That's life or death stuff for us all. I want people who are the best. I don't care what color you are, what race you are, what gender you are. If you're going to keep me safe when I'm in that little pressure, pressurized tube, that's all that matters to me. Don, my friend, I see you shaking your head. I, I, I agree with you, man, 100%. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about this is serious stuff, bro. We get up there, and I just want to know that you can do the job. So the Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA, they're actively recruiting workers who suffer severe intellectual disabilities, people with psychiatric problems, and other mental and physical conditions under a diversity and inclusion, inclusion hiring initiative spelled out on the agency's website that my friends is utterly ignorant that just does not make any sense whatsoever when you're looking for people you're looking for stable people to fly our planes right absolutely i thought i mean come on so targeted disabilities are those disabilities that the federal government as is a matter of policy they've identified for special emphasis in recruitment and hiring the faa says people with severe disabilities our most underrepresented segment of the federal workforce. Now, I would say, is that is that for a reason? You know, that's kind of what I'm looking at. Um, it's absolutely ridiculous. So um, I'm hearing that we have um, Congressman um, Alford on hold right now. He called in? Yeah, he called in early. He wants to talk about how the FAA wants to be inclusive, and he wants to have someone who has mental and psychiatric disabilities flying a plane. Yeah, <laughs> did he say that for real? Well, no, <laughs> I, I'm partially paraphrasing. Let's bring him on and see what he has to say. So, uh, Congressman Alford, are you there with us? How are you this morning, sir? I am. This is an interesting conversation that ties into when I got into Kansas City last Friday. Uh, we were about 500 feet off the ground. It was about an 18 mile an hour wind, west northwest. Uh, we were landing on runway 27 at uh, Kansas City International, and our pe- plane was pitching uh, back and forth, and uh, we knew it was going to be – it was snowing. Uh, there was a little bit of uh, ice on the runway, and so we all knew it was going to be a little bit treacherous. But at the very last minute, we pulled up severely like a roller coaster ride. Uh, we had to circle back around. It took about 20 minutes. We finally landed. It was a safe landing on Southwest Airlines. The pilot did a fantastic job. And as we were getting off, I said, what happened? Why did we, this sudden pull up? And he said, there was a plane stalled. That was his term, stalled on the runway. Wow. Uh, we almost hit this thing. I mean, there were 148 people on board our plane, including two U.S. congressmen, myself and Emmanuel Cleaver. We were sitting next to each other. He looked at me and said, do you think this needs to be reported to the FAA? Uh, we tried to get uh, some answers from the FAA, and they just obfuscated. They said that there was there was no, uh, I forgot the, the term they used, but basically said it was no big deal, nothing to see here, move along. But, you know, why did the control tower not alert the approaching pilot? Yeah. Why did the pilot on the ground uh, possibly not uh, alert the control tower? There was a there's a mix up somewhere, and it is evident, I think, of what is going on with the Federal Aviation Administration 
and under Pete Buttigieg uh, and the control tower situation. And I, I think these hiring practices that you are talking about now, this DEI that is creeping in and every uh, aspect of our society driven by this progressive, woke, liberal administration. We've seen it in the military. Yeah. Look, I want people who are qualified to be controlling who lands <laughs> and who takes off at our airports. I don't care what you look like, what your disability is, what your ability is, as long as that ability includes the common sense, the intelligence, the know-how, the stamina, the fortitude to be there in that job. And I don't think that's too much to ask. Well, thank you. There's my speech for the day. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) So, Congressman, so tell us your schedule. I mean, do you have anything around? We got to get to the. um, Yeah, sure. So, we'll. I'm calling early just because I like hearing your program. (laughs) We love Ah, having you on. You're one of our favorites. Yeah. So, we're going to take, get to the um, traffic update with Don Luzader, and we'll be right back with Congressman Mark Alford. You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with Alex Bryant, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Cass Bowen-Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. Welcome back to Wake Up Springfield. Pastor Alex Bryant here. We're talking with Congressman Mark Alford. Uh, Man, Congressman, it's good to have you with us again this morning. Um, We're talking about DEI and the FAA. (laughs) Um, And Congressman just shared a story about a near-miss um, at the airport, uh, you know, I was thinking about this, Congressman. I, I, I obviously want to get your thoughts on on Iowa here in just a second. But you know, what what are we going to do about this? I mean, you know, to to really kind of make sure that we are using common sense in our in our agencies. There, we can't have this focus on DEI. I mean, I think about the the pilot who was mentally challenged and flew um, back in 2015 who flew his plane into the side of the mountain, killing all 144 passengers. Mm. If the FAA is focused on DEI, people that are um, mentally or psyche, you know, um, psychiatric, you know, um, problems, that's a, that's an issue. What, what's Congress going to do to make sure that doesn't happen? I think the term they're using in this DEI, I saw one chart, neuro challenged, neuro, what kind of idiocy is that to try to label uh, people who, who are crazy, basically, neuro-challenged? Look, we, look, we know that mental health issues are a big deal. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about it more. Um, we should be. We need more mental health care in America. Yes. I'm for putting money behind that. Um, but we also have to do things in a sensible way. That's, we have moved away from meritocracy in America and have tried to put people in positions that simply don't belong there because of whatever factors we deem uh, that, that they are, we don't have enough of this or that in the, in the cake mix. All right. And and it's, it's just not right. It doesn't make sense. I'm for lifting people up and giving everyone opportunities but not everyone is qualified for those opportunities. And so let's find opportunities and jobs where people can make a difference positively and not detract uh, from, from what's going on, basically, from, from, the, from the productivity of those jobs. Here's the way I look at it. I mean, I want the best candidates for these jobs. I mean, because you think about things like airline pilot, a doctor, a teacher. I mean, there's industries where 
we have to have the best. I mean, you there's no room for error. The, the margin for error is little. So I'm all for the best candidate. Now, once that's said and done, I, I do think it's important for young people, young girls to see other women in places, young black kids, young Latino kids. So after the best candidate is hired, if that person happens to be a person of one of those things, then let's celebrate our diversity. But we don't have to try to, you know, like you said, look for those, you know, hitting those different, um, um, I, don't, I don't know, quotas, if you will. That's ridiculous. So, Well, I, I, this is what I said to Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin and Chairman Milley when they testified before the Armed Services Committee. And we were talking about stripping these DEI CRT programs, which they did not want to do. But we were successful in getting many of those out uh, during the National Defense Authorization Act. And so those are going bye-bye. Uh, but here's what I said. Our strength as a nation has never, does not, and will never lie strictly in our diversity. Our strength as a nation lies in our commonality, what we have in common, and that is the appreciation and the passion for the greatest nation known to man. And until we rally around that, we are not going to have unity in our country. People want unity. You can't have unity when you're dividing people by race, color, gender, uh, physical ability. This administration is all about dividing people. This is the divider in chief. That's true. We need a uniter. And that's what Trump is going to do. We saw that last night. Americans are craving. They are craving for Trump to be back in the White House. We're having a common sense conversation with Congressman Mark Alford, um, fourth district there. And you just went to it. Let's, let's talk about it. I mean, what message did we get last night from that emphatic victory by um, President Trump? Trump got 51% of the vote, 98 of 99 counties. This was a resounding victory for Donald J. Trump. I call it a Trump slide. I call it the trump cane. Trump <laughs> is taking the nation by storm, and it started in Iowa. The trump cane Wait a second. You can't just let that one slide. The trump cane That's probably going to go somewhere. You're, you're going to well, be I getting... So. Congressman Alford, <laughs> you need to get that penned right now. <laughs> the trump cane has begun. The trump cane Well, yeah. let's, let's face it. People are craving for leadership. They're craving for strength and stamina and a resolute spirit and someone who can walk and talk at the same time, and not stiff, sniffed uh, hair of young people. <laughs> they are craving for normalcy. Now, look, I know Trump's got his faults, uh, but did you see his speech last night? Yeah, it was good. How gracious was that to yeah. include his competitors? This guy is a fighter, and yeah, he's known for punching down when people attack him. Um, and I don't like everything he says or his demeanor, but this guy is the real deal. And he is going to represent real Americans who want real change and a real passion to restore America to its greatness. The greatness that we have lost over these years with Biden in the White House. Yeah, I think that Trump, again, like you said, he came out gracious um, and just acknowledging the other candidates, you know, trying to unify. He, he And when you watch that speech, because you remember like just four or five, six years ago, he had he, he still loved to hit people even when they were. When they were done, you know, yeah. and um, but there's a graciousness to him now that I'm noticing in what he when he's talking um, more stately, you know, um, and I think, you know, 
that's the difference in there. Have you noticed that? I mean, am I, am I on something? Am I missing it or not? Oh, I have. I, I noticed it personally two weeks ago when I was at Mar-a-Lago and uh, giving him my endorsement. We talked for 10 or 15 minutes and we were sitting on his uh, fancy furniture there in the living room and he leaned back and we were just having a great chat. And uh, he was talking about uh, there was a model of a, a seven, the uh, uh, Air Force One the the jet that the president flies on and you know when he was in office he wanted to change the color scheme of that and and make it red white and blue instead of this multicolored blue and and they wouldn't let him do that and he has the model of what it's going to look like when he gets back into uh office and he says see that mark that's what air force one is going to look like uh if i get back into office i said mr president not if but when and he looked at me and he says no i don't like to talk that way i don't want to be too overconfident now that is that is look i'm not saying that (laughs) president trump is the most uh uh humble guy but you don't get to where you are he is uh being the demure uh humble uh, aw shucks kind of guy. This guy is a man of power and strength and determination and stamina. And I would much rather have that than what we have in the White House right now. Yeah. I mean, you, you can tell they talk about how the presidency changes you. And, you know, Trump had, would not have gotten to where he's at as a successful businessman, leader, politician, um, actor, TV personality, if he wasn't willing to learn. And I think that he's heard when people talked about how he's, um, you know, um, a little bit narcissistic, or whatever. And there appears to be that graciousness. You heard it last night when he said she was the best, you know, former first lady. Hopefully again, she can be first lady. It wasn't like, yeah, it wasn't just that whole assumptive nature of it. And so kind of cool to see there. Um, let me ask you this. What do you think? Um, Nikki Haley, I, I, I said earlier, her speech, it seemed a little bit delulu to me, like delusional, like she, she finished his third. <laughs> But yet she comes out like she's like one of thing. I mean, am I off on that one, Congressman? Did you say Delulu? Yeah, Delulu. A little bit. That's what my kids tell me. It's Delulu, <laughs> delusional. <so. laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to start using it. Uh, well, look, she she fought a tough battle. She has raised a lot of money. I think her problem is she's getting a lot of Democrats to give her money right now. Uh-huh. And that ain't good, I think. Because um, uh, I know that in our state, uh, there's a big push now, and you know you hear the term "rhino" pushed around here and there. I don't particularly like that term, uh, but we need true two Republicans who are going to represent true Republican values, conservative values. And uh, I think once you start getting Democrat donors in who want influence, who want opportunity, who want to have your ear, uh, that not always spells trouble, but it could spell trouble. And so you've got to watch out. Uh, who is influencing you. And I'm not saying that Nikki Haley will be negatively influenced by that. But I do know it was reported last night that many Democrats changed their affiliation to caucus for Nikki Haley because they did not want Trump to win. And I think uh, you're going to see that. That's not uncommon. Rush Limbaugh pushed that for Republicans to do it against Hillary Clinton. Yeah. So I'm not saying it's out uh, out of bounds politically, but it's just something to look out for. There you go. Congressman, I love talking to you. We've got about 20 seconds. Um, what do you got working on? What do you, what do you want the people to know? 
Well, I'm trying to get back to D.C. My flight was canceled this morning. I got a couple of TV hits, uh, and then we're going to be back this evening. We've got to get uh, the CR done, uh, or we'll have a partial government shutdown uh, by Friday. We have four appropriation bills to pass. I am not voting for another continuing resolution. I did my one. I'm one and done. I told leadership back that in August. Uh, Alex, we have. I counted it up, had my staff count up. I asked how many days have we wasted that the leadership has sent us home and we have not worked on these appropriation bills to get our homework done before we go out to recess. That's not good. 120, 124 days. Wow. One third of a year that we have wasted that we could have been in Washington, D.C. doing the work for the American people. That is unacceptable. Our border security yes, should sir. be attached to any continuing resolution. Yep. And I'm not I'm not voting for a Band-Aid solution. Congressman, thank you. We got to run. Thanks for your time. Thank you. God bless.